in your Bibles. Paul here giving personal testimony that it was not him, the preacher, but that the power is the message that we proclaim. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the word of God. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thus far, the reading of God's word. It's so good to be here, and it's so good to be able to get to share uh, from the scriptures uh, with us t- today. Uh, let me let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so grateful that uh, your Holy Spirit uh, has changed us, 
<laughs> we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray now that uh, you would speak to us through your word. Pray that um, uh, we would just be moved by you to care even more for what you care for because we have the mind of Christ. We love you, Lord, and thank you so much for this time. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to I want to begin with a story. I just I love stories, and so uh, this is a story of a college student who looked for a job uh, all over town. He could not find any any job at all, and so he uh, finally heard that there was an opening at the zoo. He thought, hey, hey, I need work. I'll go there. And he went. He applied. He got the job, and so he went back and told his folks, I got the job. I got the job. And he says, What are you going to do? He says, I have no idea. So the next day he goes to work, and uh, he gets a um, he gets together with the boss, and the boss said, the main attraction in the zoo is the gorilla, and the gorilla has died. And so you are the gorilla. And he hands him this gorilla suit. And the kid says, hey, I need to work. I'll do whatever I can. So, uh, so he, he gets in the cage, and he's eating bananas and throwing them against the bars, and all the little kids are so excited, and their eyes are, are just you know, wide as could be. And so then he sees a rope swing, and he decides to jump on this. And so he's swinging back and forth and back and forth. And at the height of the swing, the rope breaks, and he goes over into the lion's den. And all of a sudden, the lion pounces on him, and he, he begins to scream, Help, help, I'm just a man, I'm just a man. And the lion said, Shh, or we'll both lose our jobs. <laughs> See, he was a phony, in a world of phonies. But I am here to declare to you Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He is the real thing. And He has come for us and He has come for the world so that many might be reconciled to Him. We have the mind of Christ, is what our passage just shared, uh, we, we just revealed. Uh, and I believe that's the answer to our question of why be concerned for world missions. And I've just loved interacting with you as a congregation over the last three days, the, uh, just to see your heart for the world and your desire to make an impact on the nations. But why share? Why care? Why do we care about these people far away? Because they matter to our Savior. And we are worshiping him every time we pray, every time we give, every time we even consider, Lord, could you use me to go to the ends of the earth? I hope more of the world matters to you every day. Rather than being come cold and complacent when we read things in the paper or see things in the news, we would say, Lord Jesus, somehow build your kingdom in that part of the world. Because each person matters. To Jesus. And every person is only a prayer away from coming to faith. Is that crazy? That's all we do to come to faith is to confess our sins and to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. The Lord is in the business of changing people. In Isaiah 6, uh, we hear Isaiah's commission. Isaiah sees the Lord seated on the throne, and the seraphs are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And his response is what? Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. But then he overhears the Trinity talking. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? 
And maybe, maybe the Trinity wants to send us to the ends of the earth. And he definitely wanted to send Isaiah. It is an unbelievable privilege to be able to share the love of Christ with our friends and with people far and wide. I remember when I was in college at Frostburg, uh, my InterVarsity staff came and he did a weekend training on evangelism and how to share the gospel and how to start conversations, how to love people well and listen well. And, um, and then Tom said, okay, take a step of faith and go try to share with someone on your floor. You know, and I go, no, there's no way I want to do this. And, but I love Jesus <laughs> and I knew his spirit was in me. I'm going to take this step of faith. And so I went and I I talked to the guy who lived right beside me. His name was Steve. And we talked for about, I don't know, 10 seconds. And then I shared something about, hey, would you be interested at all in talking about Christianity? He goes, no, not at all. And I was like, oh, man, this isn't working the way I thought. So I went down the hall and I talked to a buddy of mine. His name was Dave. We had the same little conversation. And I said, hey, are you interested in talking about Christianity or religious beliefs? He goes, no. And you know what I did? I went, praise the Lord. This is not my gift. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I didn't do that outward. But inside, I go, praise the Lord. I did what Tom said. I never have to do this again. You know, so it was like, yeah, I tried twice. It fails. And, you know, but it didn't fail because I was obedient, right? I did my part. God's the one who changes people's hearts. But there was this sense of relief. Well, a couple days later, I was in the cafeteria with a bunch of my buddies. And in our cafeteria at Frostburg at that time, they had these long tables with long benches. And so um, I, I was in the cafeteria talking to my friends. I got up to, to uh, get something. And when I came back, my buddies say, hey, I got to go. Um, and I go, okay. And I sat down, and there was this guy who had sat down right beside me. And literally, he straddled the seat and he's just kind of staring right into the side of my head and and i'm going you know what this is this is just weird you know i thought he would finally move away or do something but i thought well okay and then all of a sudden maybe god wants me to talk to this guy and i thought that can't be god who else could it be it was god you know and so i uh I said, hi, and he said, hi, and I said, I'm Greg, and he said, I'm Bob, and, um, you know, this, is, this monosyllabic conversation just continued for a long time, um, and then right at the end, I thought, well, hey, have you ever thought about Christianity, or what it means to be a Christian? He goes, no, and uh, I said, would, would you be interested in talking now, and he said, yeah, and so I shared with him everything I knew. It took about a minute and a half. I didn't know much at that point. You know, so I just shared it all. And then I said, is there anything stopping you from becoming a Christian right now? And he goes, no. And I said, would you like to pray? And he said, yeah. And Bob Sheppel and I prayed in the cafeteria my sophomore year in college. And he entered the kingdom of God. And he was in my small group for the next three years. Is that crazy? That happens everywhere I go. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen that often at all. But every once in a while... The Lord has prompted someone and prompted me at that point to be obedient and just turn the conversation and share the little bit I knew. God is in the business of changing people's hearts. And people like Bob are loving the Lord years later. God loves lost people. And he loves to use people like you and me. 
Yet as we look at the world, we realize there are people from every kind of background. There's agnostics, there's atheists, there's you know, Buddhists and Hindus, there's Christians, there are Christians that we would agree with theologically and those that we want. You know, there are people from every kind of um, perspective. And yet in the midst of those are those who love Jesus and are saying, God, would you use me? Would you use me to make an impact in this broken world? As we think about this whole idea of motivation for missions, I'm going to, I have five main points. Usually I would have three, but I have five. We're going to look at the condition of the world, the content of the gospel, the command of Christ, and the character of Christ, and ultimately the glory of God. So that's where we're going, going today. But first of all, the grace of God is what keeps us moving. And so he gives us the content of the gospel to help us to be aware of the need. In John 3.16, the classic verse, if, if anybody's ever memorized a verse, it's probably that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's great news. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know he is the only perfect substitute. You know that he is the Holy One who has come from above. We know if we are Christians that he is the only way to be right with our God. And God humbles us and his grace humbles us to make us aware, to become equally certain that those who don't believe this, are going to go into a Christless eternity. That hell is real. And those that do not want to worship him, he will not force to enter the kingdom of God. They've chosen what they want. And yet, God says, I want to rescue these folks uh, from bondage. God has given to you, me me, the truth, that the lost are lost. In Romans 1, it says, all men are without excuse. And so Christ's love compels us to keep caring and keep loving and keep sharing and keep praying that the world would be changed. Over the years, I've set up teams for 30 different teams to go to Trinidad, short-term mission trip in the middle of the school year at Delaware in January. We would go to Trinidad. I'll never forget one year meeting this old woman, a woman who lived in his, literally in a shack with a dirt floor and no running water. Her name was Gaytree. And my heart just broke for her. And I, I remember <laughs> going, God, what are you going to do in this woman's life? She had a Hindu background, but was very interested in talking about spiritual things. And so, you know, one of the students and I, we spent a couple hours one morning, a couple hours the next night, the next night, and Gaytree, she seemed a little more interested. Well, the exciting thing about it for me was that I kept going back to Trinidad for years. And, uh, and I remember two years later, Gaytree was in the church. And she, at this point, she still hadn't come to faith, but she was truly a seeker, you know? And it's it just like, I just kept going, why the heck would this American from Delaware go all the way to Trinidad to care for this woman? Why? Because <laughs> Christ's love compels me. Christ's love compels you to keep going and keep sharing. 
because the lost are lost and they need the Savior. So by grace, God makes me aware of the need of the world and the content of the gospel to keep sharing. But he also makes us aware of the condition of the world. And he's helping us to say, Lord, would you use me? Would you use me to make an impact in this world? God allows his children to be involved in this great global task. He could have chosen the rocks <laughs> to speak words of truth, but he's given us the, the, that unbelievable privilege. In Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That's good news. We're not doing it on our own. We're doing it with our Savior. In Genesis 12, to Abraham, he says, All nations will be blessed through you. And Abraham at that point, what? How could they? But they have been because God answers his prayers. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Isn't that great news? That's great news that we can be involved. John 20.21, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Great news. And he sends the Holy Spirit with us because he's in us if we are in Christ. So we have the privilege of being involved in his great task. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, he wants to use us. Where did God send his son into the world that was lost? How did God send his son? Willing to die. Willing to die. And that's the challenge for us. Are we willing to die to, to our own agenda, to our priorities for the sake of his glorious name? Are we willing to die to our ambitions, to our feelings, to our comfortableness so that we could be about his business and find new comfort from his spirit and from a whole new family of God as we go to the ends of the earth? Jesus said, I am the bread of life and said, we are his body. Therefore, we are the bread of life. So go out and feed them is what he's saying. It's grace. We get to use how he's blessed us to be a blessing to the nations. And I hope that stirs us to care even more for the things of the kingdom. So the condition of the world, the content of the gospel, the command of Christ. But I think the real answer is here. It's having the mind of Christ. Realizing who we are in Christ is what motivates me to keep caring and keep loving. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. I heard a story of um, Dr. Helen Rosevere, and she was a missionary uh, to a, a group in... I can't remember what country in Africa. That's pretty sad. But, the, um, but she was the only uh, doctor for a half a million people. Half a million people. <laughs> you know, it must be, uh, it's hard enough to care for your, <laughs> your patients, right? You know, but it's just for a half a million pep people. And she became quick-tempered and impatient and uh, just was 
angry everywhere she was going. And, and she was a, a Christian. And so she went to the pastor of the, the local church there in her community and, the, and uh, just kind of desperate. And the pastor um, talked to his wife and said, let's set up a room for, 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 for Elizabeth, or for Helen, I'm sorry, um, and so that she can come and just slow down and be fed by the Spirit. And he said to her, go on up and get yourself right with God. And she said, Friday night and all day Saturday, Saturday night and all day Sunday, heaven felt like brass, the Bible was cold, nothing was happening. This retreat of silence really didn't encourage her much at all. And so she went out to the pastor as he was sitting around a campfire and drinking his coffee. And she came out with her coffee and she said, please help me. Please help me. Draw closer to my Savior. And he said the hardest things ever to her. He said, Helen, we can see so much Helen that we cannot see Jesus. And with his heel on the dirt of the ground, he made a a mark, a straight mark. And he said, I dominate your life. Everything is about you. Everything is me, my, mine. Every new law that's enacted, it's how is that going to affect Helen and her ministry? How is that going to affect Helen? Everything affects her. And he said many, many painful things to her. All of them were true. But he says, every time you go out and, and sit by the fire, remember, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. That's our identity. That's her identity. And she had to begin to realize how is that going to affect her on a daily basis? The crossed out I life is what all of us want to live. I hate when I just have this spiritual lackadaisicalness where it's just like, it's just me. There's no Christ. It's just me living in this world. But man, when I am drawing close to Jesus and he's drawing close to me, this is the way to go. Seeing this crossed out life in me and in you. God loves to use weak people. And God wants to use us every day. Well, I have another story to share. This is about one of my students. This is a guy named Rob Antonucci who's been with Frontiers for years. Do you guys know Rob? Okay, well, right now he's motivating and mobilizing people in America but the, uh, to go to, to the ends of the earth. But the, uh, um, Rob went on a summer mission trip after he'd gone to Trinidad with me as, as a, like a sophomore, and he went to Indonesia, and he just fell in love with that Muslim community, and his heart broke for him, and he says, I need to say, Lord, how could you use me? Well, years later, he ended up going to Afghanistan, and Rob served in Afghanistan, um, well, for pretty much the last 25 years. And it's been amazing to hear his stories over the year and his passion to make a difference. Uh, you know, he just loves lost people. 
because he's met his Savior. And um, he, he would share the gospel in Afghanistan, and it would take forever, especially as the Taliban, this is even 25 years ago, as the Taliban was doing, uh, you know, doing their thing and persecuting Christians left and right. Literally the first two folks that Rob saw come to faith within a year were martyred for their faith when they were found with just a little piece of the scriptures. Um, and Rob, <laughs> well, at one point he was on furlough, and he says, Greg, are you still taking teams to Trinidad? And I go, yeah. He says, can I come? And I said, well, of course. You know, and you know why? Because in Trinidad, it's about 30% Muslim and about 40% Hindu, and then the rest are all cults that started in Pennsylvania. It's crazy. But, and, and the, no, there's a pretty big Christian community as well. But, um, but Rob... Uh, uh, came on that trip because he says, Greg, I just want to be have the freedom to talk without the constant wondering, will people be looking over my back, you know? And so, Rob, he would, <laughs> we, we would be out sharing, and we were only supposed to go out for like three hours. Rob would never show up at the van because he was still there. And he would finally call us like four hours later going, Greg, I've got the best conversations ever, you know? And he just got, kept sharing, and we were roommates that year, and he would just tell story after story. He says, I've shared more in the past two weeks than I've been able to share in the last three years in Afghanistan. And, and I go, Rob, you know, that was in my lack of faith, I just kept going, you know, Rob, why do you stay there? <laughs> he said, why do I stay there? Because they need the gospel. You know, and he said, <laughs> I just, Christ's love compels me. He could not go back to Afghanistan because he wanted to see the good news shared. You know, and people set free with the gospel. God loves to use us. God loves to set people free. And what a privilege that we have to partner with him in doing just that. But how about you? When the Trinity speaks to you and they say, who will go for us? What will you say? Could I possibly go? I remember not only Rob, but another guy, Jeff, who became a missionary. He said it was an eighth grade. Uh, and when he was in eighth grade, it was a, some traveling evangelist came through and talked about missions. And, and he made his commitment there in eighth grade. I don't know. Young people, old, it's like, what will you do with the one life God has given you? You know, how could God possibly use us to make an even a greater impact? And man, you guys are very mission-minded church. But what could he do? Some people say, well, there's things holding me back. You know, for some, I want to be married before I go. Or for others, I want to get another degree. For some, I just want to enjoy my retirement. I've worked all these years, and I just want to slow down for a little bit. I remember reading an article by John Piper, um, and he, <laughs> he, he went to his dentist, and he picked up a magazine, and it talked about all these people looking for retirement, and they couldn't wait till they went to the beach at Florida and picked up seashells. And he thought it was a joke. But this was really what many people do with their retirement years. They just go to the beach and pick up seashells. And in one of my first talks, he says, what are you going to do? What are you going to have to offer God with the last 30 years of your life? Here's my collection of seashells. 
Is that what we're going to do with our retirement years? I hope not. I hope we are even more passionate because we have freedom, freedom from our job responsibilities to do even more for the sake of the king. Becoming prayer warriors that literally will change this, <laughs> this globe. Or maybe being people to go. I remember taking a team to Amsterdam and meeting a woman there who was, she was a, a male woman in America for 30 years. And she said after 25 years, she had a vision that God could use her in missions and she couldn't wait till the days that she could retire so that the U.S. government would pay for her to go to Amsterdam to share the love of Christ yeah, with her retirement. You know, so the, uh, so God wants to use us every day of our lives. Last story. This is uh, another missionary who went to Australia, and he was preaching in a, in a church there in Australia, and he heard about this missionary couple from the U.S. Uh, there's this uh, husband and wife, and he ended up ru- running into the woman, to the wife, um, between meetings, and she was just sobbing and sobbing. And just and he ended up asking her what was going on, and she told the story of her two children. One was a 15-year-old, no problem at all. But the 13-year-old was absolutely destroying their family, destroying the fellowship and the community just because of her anger about having to leave America and come all the way to Australia. And he said, and she said, he's just making our life miserable. And so they kept talking. A little while later, two girls run through the room, and one said, good evening. And she knew that's the Australian, and the other went, hi. And that was the American. And uh, they started, she started this conversation with, with these uh, young girls, and especially to the, the missionary's daughter, and says, you're a stranger here, aren't you? Yes. It's not easy living in another culture, is it? No. And they, too, had a monosyllabic conversation, just like (laughs) my friend in college. Um, And they just went back and forth. And this little girl asked, you know, I think by the prompting of the Spirit, is it too late to come forward and to, to do business with Jesus? And she said, oh, no. What do you want to give to Jesus? And this little girl just started sobbing and said, I want to give him my horse. (laughs) I want to give him my horse. She realized that that horse was just dividing her whole family because of her anger from the situation. And so the missionary said, well, give him your horse. God's a God of grace. Give him your horse. And this little girl did and prayed with them. And she said, oh, my mom and dad are going to be so pleased. I've made, <laughs> the kid was pretty perceptive. I've made their life a living hell. That's what this little kid says. And the missionary says, oh, now go make it heaven. Make it heaven. This 13-year-old caught it. She caught the point. Have you got a horse? Will you give it to Jesus? Let's pray. Holy Spirit of the living God, we love you so much. And we realize by grace you've saved us, by grace you are changing us, and by grace you are setting us free from our horses. You are setting us free from things that stop us from doing the things that you would just love to bless us with. So, Lord, I pray, even this day, that you would 
fill us with your spirit and prompt us to have conversations with one another and especially with you about what's holding us back from doing whatever it is that you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. We do not want to look back at our life with regret, but we want to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.